0: Let us open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. We shall read from verse 1 to verse 8. Hebrews 6, 1 to 8. The topic for our Bible study tonight is Christian journey to spiritual maturity. Christian journey to spiritual maturity. I pray that the Lord himself will lead us in Jesus' name. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings, about Christ, and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of facing God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. It is possible, sorry, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened who have tasted the heavenly gifts, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who are falling away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful, to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and scissors is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. May the Lord interpret his words to us in Jesus' name. In this passage that we have read, the writer of the book of Hebrews tried to separate the boys from the men. He tried to separate the immature from the mature. It was trying to separate the elementary teachings from the teachings that matured Christians receive. One thing that I know is that we are a product of what we feed on. And as parents, we know that what a child of um, one month we feed on is different from what a child of two years we feed on. If you have a child of one month, um, and you start the child off with with, um, um, solid food, I'm sure the parent is trying to injure or kill the child eventually, but if you have a child of two years and you continue to give the child milk, in fact, parents who are women who breastfeed know that, although they say exclusive breastfeeding for a child from age um, one, from birth to six months, um, some children can survive those six months, but some children cannot. You see some, some parents trying to give an alternative when they realize that this child is actually not not getting satisfied. But if you continue that child on milk for that long, say two years, you know that the growth of the child will not be as it should be because you have de- de- deprived the child of what he ought to get as he grows. So we as, as Christians are a product of what we feed on. We feed on milk our strength, be limited but if you feed on meat our strength will increase if we feed on spiritual milk if we continue to feed on milk as christians if we refuse to grow in the lord we will not we will we will just become elementary we become immature christians we will not grow into maturity as the lord expects us today we find so many people who have been in the church for many years but the way they act, you cannot really say they've been in the church for many years. They've been in the church for many years, but there are some things they do not know about God. There are some ways that they behave that you wonder whether they actually have been in the church. Today, God wants to call our attention to the fact that as Christians, we need to grow up onto maturity um, and, and look at our lives in the light of God's word to see where we actually are standing in our walk with the Lord. And so in the church of God today, like I said, there are so many baby Christians, there are matured Christians, and there are also the matured Christians. But the foundation that we have laid and that we continue to build on will determine how far or how fast we have grown in our knowledge and in our work with the Lord. This scripture that we read gives an outline of the elementary teachings. What are the elementary teachings that some of us Or some who have been in the church for so long, continue to get or continue to receive. Or that you are tempted to give them. That those of us, maybe you are ministers or disciples, you are are tempted to continue to give them. They've been in the church for a long time. Maybe some of them got to the church before you. But these are the elementary teachings you need to continue to give them. Because they have not really been growing in the Lord. Now, from verse 1 of that passage hebrews chapter 6 it says therefore let us move beyond the writer of this passage is saying let us move beyond the elementary teachings about christ and be taken forward to maturity let us move to when i looked at all of these elementary teachings to me i mean to anyone that looks at them intently you know that these are actually real real foundations real core of our faith But the Bible says there are some points we must have outgrown these teachings. In other words, we must have known enough of this or about these teachings and move on to maturity because the Lord wants to teach us more. And what are these these elementary teachings? It says, not laying again the foundation of repentance. So, some of them, the first one is repentance. The message of repentance is an elementary teaching according to the Bible. So, some may have been in the church, but they still need to be preached to because the way they live is like they have never heard the message of salvation. You wonder whether they are Christians. You wonder whether they have been born again. You ask them, are you really born again? Because you need to preach the message of repentance. So, the Bible says these are elementary teaching. What's the next one? It says... repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Repentance from acts that leads to death. Some of the things that cause us to, 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 to stumble, that can take us outrightly away from the will of the Lord. This is because their behavior show or shows that sin is nothing to them. So if we continue in some sins, some of these sins are not visible for everybody to see. But those of us who are doing them, we know. But actually, there is a way that those who are matured in Christ can discern because um, um, you don't know when these things creep, when, when they show off. This, these sins that we commit because we have refused to grow. So it does not matter how long you have been in church or the number of discipleship programs you have taken. There are some things you should not be found doing. But if you continue in this sin, it shows you are still a baby Christian. So, teaching on repentance is for people living in sin and worldliness. So, the question now. Let me ask this question: What are the acts that lead to death? So, elementary teachings about acts that lead to death. What are the acts that lead to death? The Bible says in Romans six twenty-three: "The wages of sin is what? Is death." So, any sin that we commit will lead to death. It It will first lead to spiritual death gradually. To hit on eat on and eat on and continue to lead us unto death. We pray that none of us we continue in acts that lead to death in Jesus' name. The second one is faith in God. I mean, talking about faith, is faith not, not important for our growth? But the writer of Hebrews says elementary teaching about faith in God. And I actually took time to think about what he was trying to say. But what I discovered is that teaching about faith. Believing in God for miracles, trusting in him for our needs are elementary teachings. Because as, as a new couple, new couples or people who are in, in fresh relationship, they try to build faith and trust within one another, between one another, isn't it? You want to be able to develop that relationship to the point where the other partner can, can trust in you, can believe in you, can have faith in you. And as you grow gradually, you begin to trust, to know that there are things that this guy would never do. If somebody comes to say, this is what he has done, I will know that it cannot be him. Now, if, if, if they get married and after 10 years, they still have issues of trust, won't you say they are babies in their marriage? If they can still not trust one another, although they have been married for 10 years, for 20 years, for 15 years, you say there are babies in their marriage. In other words, what else, was trying to make us understand is the fact that as we grow in our walk with God, we must have built our faith in God to the point that there are situations in our lives that people do not have to preach to us about. I don't know if I'm making sense. That in our walk with God, we have trusted him to the point where we know that there are areas he cannot fail. That even if we are not getting what we want, the way we want it, if our answers, if the answers. That we expect in our work with God, or concerning situations that we face, are not what we are getting. We have trusted the Lord to the point that we can never leave Him. So, if somebody still comes to you when you are in trouble, you are you are you are you are you are, you are trying pity me, party that people have to beg you to come to church, people have to beg you to trust in God, people have to tell you that God is faithful then they are teaching you the elementary things about God. It means that you are still a babe in Christ. So that is what he's saying. Just like I do not know you, nobody needs to tell you what your husband does. You know him like the, like the back, back of your hands because you have stayed for a long time. You, have, you, can, you can trust that this my husband is the one that did this. Now, if, you, know, you, you just know. Or my wife is the one that, would, that if, just, if somebody comes to report to your wife, okay, I know, I know she will never go beyond this. So, how is our work with God? Are we still being pushed? I mean, the reason why today we have so many Christians in courts, but we are not seeing spiritual maturity. And that is why so many people are running from one church to the other looking for miracles. Because they've not, they have not trusted God and received his word concerning their situation to know that no matter what I face, I will stay where I am. Trusting that where I am, God is able to miss me. And that is not actually about ministers, pastors, the person, the prophet that that, that prays for me. But it's about my work with God. And if God has settled the situation or case and has spoken to me, that is okay. So, teaching about repentance, teaching about faith, the Bible says they are actually elementary teachings. The third one, cleansing rites. Cleansing rites the doctrine of holiness sanctification in the books of leviticus numbers Deuteronomy you will read um, how god told the children of israel what they are to do before they come before, before as they come to him to show they are holy they are you know what they must do to cleanse themselves if they are falling into a particular sin and as in the new testament we can see this cleansing letter the, uh, the things are uh, teachings on sanctification, holiness, which are really, really important. But what the Bible says that as you have grown or uh, you are growing in the Lord, you must, get, you must get to a point where nobody tells you that as a Christian, you need to live a holy life. Now you are so conscious of sin that you, don't, you know your boundaries, you don't go beyond it. It's not about who is looking at you, it's not about who is seeing you, who is going to chastise you. Who is going to um, correct you? Or who is going to encourage you? But it's about your work with God, knowing that I come. Even if nobody sees what I'm doing, there's a God who is watching me. And I'm so special in his hands that I cannot afford to do what everybody is doing. Even if everybody thinks it is a normal thing, it is what everybody does. But for you, you are living in holiness and righteousness. You are, you are, you are, you are, you are setting yourself apart to know that you are different. And so, it is not that people will continue to teach you and teach you and teach you from every, I mean, every time. God is just challenging us to, to, to consider our work and our stand with him. Because today, one of the things that grieves my soul is that I see a lot of Christians and the way, and I'm not standing here to be a judge, but I'm, 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 I'm standing here to help us to come to the consciousness and the reality that as we walk with God, we must walk in cautiousness of Christian maturity. See a lot of Christians that the way they behave, you actually have to ask questions. Whether in our offices, whether in our homes, whether in, you know, people, we, we just do things and throw caution to the wind. Elementary teachings. The laying, of, the laying on of hands it says they are Elementary teachings, empowerment, consecration. The elementary teachings, are, but these are things that people are looking for today. Power administration. This is what many Christians, this is the reason why many Christians are running from one church to the other. The pastor will lay hands on you. The pastor he prays for you. When he prays for you, you will you will know that there is, I mean, something will change. You will know that something has happened. I'm not saying it is not, it is not a reality. I believe in laying on of hands. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in miracles. I believe in all of this. But the Bible is saying that these are not things we should run after. You know why? Because if care is not taken, we will, we will fall into error, get into trouble, and, and get into wrong hands if care is not taken. I mean, how is it that somebody who has been in the church for a long time who has been in the church, who says he's a Christian, cannot discern. I don't know if you are here, and I know there are some people here who, when you see something that is not right, when you go to an, a, a place where something is wrong spiritually, you can easily, your spiritual antenna is so sensitive that you can pick it. But you know there are some people that they are easily carried away. They go into a congregation or meet with people who are not spiritually um, right with God, or who are doing things that are not, that you can question. But you see, they can really not, they cannot, they cannot um, differentiate. And if you challenge it, they think your faith is small. I don't know if you, if you got that message. There was this WhatsApp message that was sent to me sometime um, last year, and I even got last week and I believe it's a true testimony about one pastor, Chidubem Chidubem Oku or something like that, who said, who was giving his testimony, or he, it was a confession, of how um, he started a church, and because the church was not growing, he decided to, um, to, to find help from another pastor who, who's, whose church was growing, who had 11,000 members in like six years. And the man took him to, um, he brought him from wherever, to Barbage And they did all, did all kinds of things. And of course, the church grew, but he got into trouble. And by the time he was sending that text, the person he sent the text to was the one that actually spread it. But by the time the person called him, he was in trouble and he was telling the person, I, I just need somebody to pray for me. they after my life. I want to back, back out because I know this is wrong. But eventually, by the time the man called back, they said he had died. But you see, people will run into these churches. These people will go into these churches because they want to see signs and wonders. The Bible is saying that all of these are elementary. They are not the things that show that you are matured. The resurrection of the dead. People who are not really convinced about the hereafter, they are still asking questions. These are all foundation, or these are things that are elementary. Eternal judgments. They are not sure. And, and because they are not sure, they, they act as though there, there, there can be another way out. They act as though Jesus is not coming back. They act as though there is no judgment. Because I believe if you are a Christian, and you believe that you have, mature, if you have matured to a point you know that even the way you, you, treat, you treat your brother, you must live in the consciousness of heaven and of God and of judgment. Even the way you do your business, you must live in consciousness of God. But because many times, though we have been in the church, we are not careful to grow, to allow God himself to teach us, we will, not, we will continue to become baby Christians. What are the signs of the matured Christian? He goes on from verses 4 and 5 to talk, the, to talk about the signs of matured Christians. He said, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened. Now, these are the signs of the matured Christians. So those who have actually gotten to that point where they have been enlightened, they have been enlightened, those who have been set free from their sin. Let's read John 8, 32 to 36. John 8... John chapter 8, from verse 32. Okay, let me start from 31. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Those who have been set free, indeed, who have been enlightened, who have become spiritually matured. And you see, spiritual maturity has nothing to do with age. That is one thing I have discovered. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with what? With age. I mean, let's look at it from... Um, the day-to-day point of view. Like, sometime last week, there's a, there's a, there's a young lady who just moved who, who because she's doing an IT, she's, she's living with me presently. So, sometime last week, we were just talking in the kitchen, and I was talking about a particular passage in the Bible, and I was asking her, are you familiar with that story? And she said, no. I said, what? You're not familiar with this story? Okay, have you read... The Bible, she, the whole of the Bible, she said no. Have you read um, the Old Testament? She said no. And I looked at her and I was like, uh uh-uh. uh, you are, you are in your 20s, early 20s, but you've not, you've not, you've not, um, you don't know this passage. So I told her, I said, uh uh-uh. uh, these were the things that the children that I taught in, uh, in Bible club, I mean, I was just trying to encourage her. But what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is this. If, if you now bring her with a child who has been brought up to, to know the word of God and study the word of God, and they're in the same class, maybe a Bible study group, you know, the temptation will be that, we'll say, okay, because she's older, she shouldn't be in the same class. But you find out that if they give them a test, the seven-year-old child will pass and she will fail even though she's 20 plus and he is just 7 years. So spiritual maturity doesn't have anything to do with our age, but about our willingness and release of ourselves to the Lord. Have we been enlightened? How are we getting them? said so those who have been enlightened, who have received the light of God's word, who when they pick the Bible they are not bored. Who when they pick the Bible it is interesting to them. They enjoy the, the, the Bible because every time they open the Bible, God speaks to them. God opens his word to them. They are sensitive to God when he's talking. They are sensitive to his voice. They know his ways. They know what, he, what he's doing with them at every point in time. So he says, those who have been enlightened, that is one mark of a spiritually matured Christian. They are spiritually enlightened. They have been enlightened. And so the question is that, are you Enlightened. Now, let us go back to that Hebrews. That our text. But Let's see Hebrews 5. There's something interesting that I've seen. That I think that... Hebrews chapter 5 now. From verse 12. No, from verse 11. It says, We have much to say about this. But it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact though by this time you ought to be teachers, look at that by this time these people ought to be what? teachers so if I bring that lady to come and teach my, my children, the children in this church we should be teaching them the right thing in fact in class that would be disaster most of the Sundays, because you know children when you make mistakes they will spare you they will say it openly like that, auntie it is Jonah not Noah They will say it. So how you are going to get yourself out? It is you that will know. And God helping you. Since by now they ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truth of God's word. All over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But now let's note verse 14. But solid food is for the mature who by, underline that, who by what? Who by what? Constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So, solid food, it's not, it's not saying who by constant hearing, but by constant use. You can come and hear the message. You hear one message here. Hear one message here. Hear another message. You are you are having information overload. So it's not about having information overload, but it's about what you have gotten. What have you done with this? With it, he says, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. And you know the common saying that if you want to distinguish a fake dollar from 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 um the original dollar. It is just you getting used to the original, isn't it? As you get used to the original, when you see the fake, what happens? You know. Just like women know the original gold from the fake. Me, I don't know. Because that is not my forte as they say. But some people, when they carry it, they know. So, So also the word of God by constant use of the word of God, by constant fellowship with God, by constant stay with the word of God, what happens to us? We become enlightened. We're able to distinguish between the, the, the true word of God, to know what is good, and to know the words from the devil. I don't know if God is speaking to you. He's going speaking to us tonight. God is calling us to be spiritually enlightened maybe a discipleship student or preacher i mean we may be spirit you may be a a discipleship student you may even be a a discipleship teacher but if you have not used the word of god constantly you are not mature you are not enlightened because the word of god is going to be our judge god is going to judge us by the standard of what of the word. So the enlightened are those who know what they believe. They are the ones who know why they are in church and what they have come to do in the church. They know, even the denomination, they know the things they must do. But you see, in most churches today, unfortunately, we have people who have been in church for a long time, but who are actually in church because of what they stand to gain. They are in church to play favoritism, They're in church to play politics. They're in church to look for the... To to show that we are in power here. And whatever we say must stand. To some, the church is like the social club. A place where their needs are met. So I joined the church because the church will meet my needs. You know, um, some of us belong to our local group. Native... um, I don't know what you call it. Many times on Sundays, after service, or... Some people will not even go to church. They say their meeting starts at 12. And you ask them, why are you going? They say, ah, it is important. So that if I have anything to do in my village, I will have people to follow me. Not only will they follow me, they will also do what? Give me money. So I'm going because of what I, I stand to gain. And that is what some have turned the church to. May God help us in Jesus' name. Then secondly, it says, those who have tasted the heavenly gifts. Those who have operated and benefited from the power of the Holy Spirit, who have enjoyed the fullness of Christ, they have come to know Jesus. They have come to know the power of his resurrection. They have come to know the fellowship of, of his suffering. They have, come to be, they, have, they have become conformed to his death. The heavenly gifts, the power of resurrection, the, the gift of Jesus, they have come to enjoy it. These are matured Christians. They have come to enjoy the power of prayer. He says, we have also shared in the Holy Spirit. How many of us have enjoyed the Holy Spirit? How many of us can say that the Holy Spirit is real in our lives? We have enjoyed his gifts. his outpouring of his gifts, even into our life, without anyone helping us to grow. We, by ourselves, have spent time with God to the point that we have an ideal relationship with him. He knows you. Those are the mat- matured Christians. You don't have to beg them to do their devotion. You don't have to beg them to read their Bible. You don't have to beg them to do evangelism. They are just conscious of God because they know the power and the work He has done in their own lives. It says, Who have also tasted in the power of the Word of God to decree a thing and to have it established, to know that the Word works. These are the enlightened Christians. And fourthly says the power of the coming age. We are prepared for the coming age, life after life. And we are also experiencing some heaven and, and we're having some heaven on earth experience. These are people who are matured spiritually. So God is asking you, what is your stand with God? Have you tasted the power of the heavenly, tasted the heavenly gift? Have you shared in the Holy Spirit? Have you tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age? Now, the next one, the falling Christian, from verse 6, it says, and who are falling away. There are some Christians who are falling. In fact, this person says that if somebody has gotten to that point where you've enjoyed all of this and you fall, it will be difficult for that person to come back. Well, let's see the marks of the fallen Christians. And you know, this issue actually is a, very, is a very sensitive one, especially in our denomination where we believe that uh, once saved, saved forever. But if you look into the Bible and other passages, but I'm not going to go into that, but I'm just saying that this is, a, is an issue in our denomination, another denomination. But the Bible says that it is impossible for anyone who has reached that, that kind of walk with God, when they fall back, it is, it is impossible for them to come back. And if you look at Ezekiel 18, let's look at Ezekiel 18 to so just quickly buttress that before we move on. Ezekiel chapter 18, verses 21 and 24. Ezekiel 18. It says, but if a wicked person turns away from all the sins they have committed and keeps all my decrees and does what is just and right, that person will surely live. They will not die. But if a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin and does the same detestable things the wicked person does, will they live? None of the righteous things that that person has done will be remembered. But there are other passages that we can actually use to buttress this point. But let me ask, what ways, and at what point can we say we are subjecting Christ to public disgrace? Because this passage says that anyone who does these things is subjecting Christ to what? Public disgrace. How can we disgrace Christ publicly? How? Can we sometimes disgrace Christ publicly? What are some of the things we can do to, to disgrace Christ publicly? Sir? When we blaspheme, when we blaspheme, we disgrace Christ publicly. But let me list what I have here. It says, when we sin, when we make people say genuinely, because people may say it sometimes without being genuine. When they say genuinely, and you call yourself a Christian, when people look at you and say ah, and you call yourself a Christian, you you can't you can't talk. Because they have the right to say that. Because of what you have done. Sir? That's why I said genuinely. Because sometimes they, they may not be right. They may not be right. And that's why I'm using the word genuinely. When they say genuinely and you call yourself a Christian. And you. And I said, and you yourself cannot defend. You can't defend yourself because you know they were right. When we compromise our faith for whatever reason, we are disgracing Christ. Where and when we do the things the unbelievers are doing in words and action. Have you seen what is going on in the church today? And I'm, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going to be... What's the word now? I'm going to be frank. I'm not going to be... Um, I don't know the word. But what I'm going to say is that Sometimes, here in Nicole Baptist Church, when I come on Sunday, I am, I am, I am, I am just disappointed. Or I am frustrated. I feel terrible. Because of some of the things people wear to church. To church. How can we get to that point where I don't know if they have been given to depraved mind. I don't know. Or it is part of um, um, the culture or the... I don't know what to call it. That you come to church half naked. Your skirt is short. And, and I'm very sorry for men. Most Sundays, I'm, I'm sorry for most of our men. Because they can't even look at the woman's face. When they say, go and greet one another. You have, to, you have to be speaking in tongues or you look up. Because of what these women are wearing to church. But I think we should begin to talk to them. I think we should begin to address them. And that is the shame now that the unbelievers, the Muslims, they are looking at us and they'll will, they will tell us, I would rather not allow my child go to church. I prefer her covering everything than for her to go to church. And in the name of freedom, she comes to church naked. So, we are disgracing God. We are disgracing Jesus openly when we do the things the unbelievers are doing in words and in action. And we don't feel it. I was listening to someone. He said... I can't remember his name. There's this pastor in Abuja. I was listening to his message. And he, and he was saying, he was actually challenging Christians. And I was really happy to know that there are many Christians or many pastors who can actually preach this on their pulpit. And it was, he called his wife out. I don't know if you have seen that video. He called his wife out. She was dressed in a, a I think, a skirt and blouse, well-dressed. Paul Ennache. And he said, can you, and he called another woman, and he said, can you go to the club like this? He asked this congregation, can these women go to the club like this? They said no. We said, why not? Because they are not dressed like people going to club. So how come that we are now dressed? Like I see if we are com- going to the club, we dress that way to church. And we feel comfortable. I think we must look at it. Especially parents. Sorry I'm digressing, but I think it's part of it. Parents, let's not, let's not tell them it's part of a... Um, civilization and some of us are actually the reasons because we begin to dress them like 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 we dress them anyhow and we let them pose you know now where all our children have become uh, what do we call them they always will pose because of our phone we will snap them and they will be all kinds of things you can see their belly you can see everything although the child is five years the lord will help us in jesus name. When we cross our moral boundaries then we are subjecting Christ to public disgrace. When you display spiritual insensitivity and lack of caution when you say it does not matter you are subjecting Christ to public disgrace. So let us ask ourselves am I a falling Christian? Am I a falling Christian? At what point have I reached? In my work with God and in my dealings with the things of the world, am I enjoying it? The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Then in verse 7, he talked about the productive Christian. The productive Christian. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 7. It says, Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. These are Christians who, who have received the reign of God's word. They have received the rain of God's word into their lives. And they have, they have brought out fruits, fit for, for repentance. And they are showing by their way of life that they are Christians. That people do not have to say this these ones are, are Christians. But people know, because of what they do, that they are Christians. Those are productive Christians. And people want to be like them. They want to be like them. When they, want, when they need to hear the truth, they go to them. Because they know these ones are productive Christians. These ones will not tell me what I do not want. They will say the truth. Even if I don't like it, It will say the truth. Those are productive Christians. Then in verse 8, it talks about the unproductive Christian. But land that produces thorns and teasers is worthless as in, as, and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be Buried. So those Christians, who hear the word of God, but instead of repenting and acting, they are um, being stubborn. They are not productive Christians. They are unproductive Christians. They are the Christians who disgrace Christ through their behavior and because they bear bad fruits. In conclusion, let us read Ephesians three. Ephesians chapter 3, and see what Paul has to say. I'm sure many of us are very familiar with this. He's praying for the Ephesians. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives his name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God wants us to be filled to the measure of, the, of his fullness. And how can we do that? By living as matured Christians who are not being pushed, who are not being hudged and hudged and nudge, who are not being petty. You know, some people are been in the church, but you still have to encourage them. Every little thing they complain. Somebody is always against them. Somebody is always looking for their trouble. Somebody is not just doing what is right with them. There's, this thing is not good. They are always seeing mistakes and mistakes and mistakes and mistakes. Paul wants us to move on in our walk with God. And I pray that the Lord through his Holy Spirit will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Do we have questions?